time we are back with another amazing interview at Connecting with the Heart podcast. Today my special guest is Simon Chang. Simon has a very international and interesting life. She grew up in US Minnesota and obtained a bachelor's degree in English and American literature. She went then to London to obtain a second bachelor's degree in the same field plus in European and social political studies. Then she studied a master, uh, master of Arts back in the US and then she went to Melbourne, Australia for her PhD. She has spent some time working and living in other countries such as China, Germany, Thailand and many others and currently she is in Taiwan where we both met. In addition, she has always been interested in Oriental philosophy and visited Tibet, Bhutan, Nepal, Mongolia, India and many other countries to learn more about spiritual wisdom. In 2020, Simone uh, founded her own company called Indigo Sun, she, where she works as a spiritual teacher and a healer. I think my connection uh, to her is very special and I would like to share with you how we both met. The day that we met, I went to a restaurant and I saw a poster about uh, crystal singing bowls. Uh, this poster was promoting an event she was hosting, um, but I just saw it and I just connected and I said, I would, like, I would love to attend. And, but I didn't pay so much attention to the date, so I went back to my table at the restaurant and then my husband went to get the bill. When he came back, he said, I just met a girl from the US, she speaks uh, Spanish, German, maybe you want to talk to her. And she just did an event on Crystal Bowl uh, singing. I was like, oh my god, I have to meet her. And so she was waiting for me at her table, I approached her and from the very first moment it was connection at the first sight and how the way how i feel with her is that i can be very authentic and very honest around her so i am excited let's let's meet simone so let's start with our interview Welcome, Simone. Juanini, how? Bienvenida, welcome, Simone dear. Thank. You. First of all, thank you for being here today with us. How are you today? Me too. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. Um, yeah, I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day in Taiwan, so I'm so excited to have this conversation. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm very excited, and um, I, I I feel this. I am very honored. Simone, I usually start the interviews with the following question, and is what does it mean your home country for you? How has being born and raised in the US has influenced you as a person? Um, but as I know, you grew up in a big cultural environment, American Chinese. So I decided to change that question, and it is, uh, where are your roots? Uh, what influenced you when you were growing up? Mm, I love this question. So, as you said, um, it's a little bit hard to answer sometimes because of, you know, culturally, I, my background is Asian, um, but I was born in the U.S. and I grew up there and I grew up in Minnesota. So I was born in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, spent most of my childhood and upbringing in Minnesota. Um, which is a really beautiful place. I grew up in, I would say, in rural Minnesota. So it, I was surrounded by nature. And I feel like if I really have to answer, like, where are my roots? I would say my roots are actually in nature. Um, and I, I really, like, yeah, so it almost it spans cross-culturally, you know, like, I really feel like I grew up, um, the woods were in my backyard and I grew up climbing trees and playing, um, you know, by the river, like there was a small creek in, in the backyard woods and, and I spent a lot of time outside. Um, I didn't, I, I don't think I watched a lot of TV growing up and I wasn't very influenced like in terms of pop culture. Um, and I think that's been like my the the case my whole life. 
So I feel like I was very connected to the land. I always felt very connected to Native American culture, even though I don't have Native American ethnicity in this lifetime. Uh, growing up in the US, in rural Minnesota, I had no Asian influence around me, except for my family. Um, and I, as a child, I was very interested in, um, I would say Asian culture, like martial arts. I think we've talked about this too, but I had nowhere to study it. So I actually uh, made up my own martial arts system and I practiced in my backyard. <laughs> and I like wrote a whole book. <laughs> I wrote like a whole notebook with these different um, techniques and like different punches. They even had different names. Um, so I, I think I was very inspired by like my my ethnic culture um kind of in like a traditional sense of china and i didn't really understand you know um all the issues like the current issues uh of china you know with the communist government and all of that you know as you're as a child you're very innocent um but it's brought me back a lot to to travel and to go back to um just the language you know i think is really beautiful um, and now, you know, we met in Taiwan and yes. here we are. Um, yeah, I, I talk in my intro, I also talk about Indigo Sand, um, but I know that before founding uh, your own company, you had a very diverse career as um, editor, uh, editor-in-chief, journalist and translator, yoga instructor, stunt actress, founder and co-founder of different businesses. So my questions are, um, what has been the job that you most loved and why? And which country did you like the most and why? I love this question so much. So it's really hard to answer because <laughs> like, obviously we learned so much from all of our experiences um, so I think my diverse career experience has taught me really so much um, about human relationships. I think that is actually the key that um, just interacting with so many different people from so many different walks of life. If I really have to choose a favorite, I would say what I do now. Um, but besides this, beside, uh, so you're, you're saying before and before, yeah. Yeah, um, I would say one of the happiest, happiest times of my life, uh, career-wise, was when I was doing parkour. So when I was working as a stunt actress, and that was in Shanghai. And I always think of myself as, you know, this nature lover, but somehow I found myself in these huge metropolises, like these huge cities, um, like Shanghai is just, you know, a city of, I don't, I think 30 million people. And, and I, there are times where it's like so difficult to be in that kind of environment, but then there are times where it's like in the environment of like this concrete jungle, you, you break your limits, like you break out of your limiting molds and limitations. And, um, you know, that's kind of like the philosophy of parkour too, is overcoming obstacles, not only externally, like externally, it is all about, you know, like overcoming obstacles, uh, but also internally overcoming fear and your own obstacles, like that are preventing you from that is showing up as an external obstacle, but it's really internal. So I think I learned a lot about my own limitations and understanding myself during that time. And and I think I also learned a lot about what I was willing to do and what I wasn't willing to do, um, you know, as like a doing stunt work. So um, you're often told to do like, you know, as a stunt actor, you, you have to do um, things that are physically quite demanding and they're usually what other people don't want to do. So it, you're putting yourself in a certain degree of danger. Um, and I think at the time, because I was so young, it was very thrilling. So I would throw myself at things. Um, but I eventually stopped doing that because I was, I got so many injuries. So 
actually the reason that I uh, had to, um, I guess I didn't have to stop doing parkour, but um, you know, leave kind of that field was because of all the injuries I had sustained. Um, and that brought me to yoga. So I actually uh, really got into yoga as first as a form of rehabilitation physically. And then the spiritual side of yoga really, really um, just that, that was the thing that really interested me. But yeah, that, I think that was my favorite. Um, just the freedom, like within like the restrictions, it's like you can find freedom in any environment. Yeah. I think that's kind of what it taught me. You can fly, like in a city, you can, you can go on top of the skyscraper and you can like fly and you can be free. And um, it's that sense of like boundlessness and, and there's nothing that can there's nothing that can stop you. You can there's like a feeling of invincibility. I think that's what I felt during that time. That means that that is connected with the country or which country did you like the most? Because in my intro, I said, yeah, you went to Germany, Thailand, um, you visited Tibet, Nepal, um, you are now mm -hmm. in Taiwan. As far as I remember, you also speak Spanish. So I guess you have been to mm -hmm. some Latin American countries. So what is the place that you like the most? So my favorite um, sacred, like spiritual place um, is Tibet. Tibet. Um, yeah, for, yes. And, and I would say um, my, oh, I love, it's so hard. I love earth. <laughs> um, I think my favorite, place that I would really want to live. And I see myself um, moving there and living there in the future is New Zealand. Um, I just, I, the land, I really, I think there are many places when I went there, I fell in love with the place and the land, um, like Tibet, um, kind of like Morocco also, the desert um, in Morocco and um, Peru. I mean, so many, so many places. Uh, but sometimes you kind of fall in love and you know it's like it was for that moment and then sometimes you like fall in love and you feel like you're meant to you're meant to kind of be here and like cultivate something here so that's how I feel with New Zealand and I, I really love um, just the purity of the of the place that I feel like is still it still feels kind of untouched because I think in our like era, you know, like before sometimes I kind of wish, um, like I think of myself as an explorer, like I'm sure you feel this way too. You've traveled so much like around, but I just love the energy of exploration and exploring new places. Yeah. And, and so much of our world is now explored, like it's been mapped. Um, and sometimes I just kind of wish there was like some unknown terrain where, it hasn't been mapped and we can just, like nobody knows anything, we can go explore it. Um, and I think maybe that's how I feel a little bit about New Zealand, which is why it still is kind of calling to me. But I, yeah, I really love Tibet. The, just everything, the, the Himalayas, the whole Himalayan mountain range, um, being that close to the sky like when you look up at the sky you literally feel like it's closer like it's right there <laughs> and the clouds are like yeah it's so so beautiful um and it, and there's a different sort of energy and the culture also tibetan culture i've always felt very close to uh it, it just it feels very sacred to me so um in a way, I feel home in, in the mountains. We're, we were talking about before a little bit uh, about martial arts, and I know that mm -hmm. you love it. And um, actually, when I was preparing the interview, a question popped into my mind, and it was, or do you see any connection between martial arts and spirituality? Yes, <laughs> I see so much connection. So this is actually something I'm really exploring these days. Um, 
And I talk a lot about spiritual embodiment um, with people I work with and um, students, et cetera. And I really believe that it, uh, the body is so important. It's such a key aspect of our spiritual ascension and our spiritual growth. And sometimes I feel like, um, you know, in Chinese, I don't know if you've heard the term shen xing ling. So shen is body and xin is heart and um, ling is spirit. Um, xin can also, it's kind of like the heart mind. You know, yeah. they talk about that in Buddhism. Yes. Right to clarify that for, for the non-speakers, Chinese non-speakers, because this is something very yes. interesting in Chinese philosophy. So we are used to think with the mind, mm -hmm. but in, in the philosophy, we uh, oriented philosophy, we uh, think with the, heart, with the heart. There's a strong connection, mind, mind and heart. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So sorry about that. I just so true. And I think, it's, yeah, no, I just like to add to that. I don't know if you noticed, um, if you talk to like some, um, like Buddhist masters in, in Taiwan or Tibetan um, lamas, sometimes they will say like, you know, think, and they, they, put, they point to their heart and they're like, oh, you need to think with your mind. And they yeah. and they're like point, you know. I think it's so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like they no, think from the heart. Weird. Yeah, yeah. It's like think, think. I was like, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Sorry to interrupt. I think it's so too. beautiful. Yeah, it is. Oh yeah. So I was saying, mm -hmm. um, Shen Ling, um, and and sometimes we in like spiritual circles, um, there's a, a focus on xinling. So sometimes they even take it apart and they, in, in Chinese, it'll be called like um, xinling xue. So studies about spirituality is xinling and they leave out the shen, which is the body. Um, and then sometimes um, we have a lot of focus on the body in our culture, right? In, in society in general. Um, so exercise is a big thing, um, which is all really great. And I, and I feel like what is so important is the unity of all of, all of it together. So shen xing ling he yi, so um, to bring it into oneness. Your question about martial arts, I think that there are already ancient systems of movement that, um, that have looked at this, you know, like what I'm thinking about. Yeah, or what I'm thinking about. <laughs> and and I, I think yoga is one, you know, it's all about union. Um, martial arts, for sure. What I really love about martial arts is it brings in this concept of, you know, yin-yang duality and energy and transcending the yin-yang. Yin um, and how do you become whole? Like, how, how do you not get caught in the duality, but actually physically practice wholeness? And that is the practice um, between two people. Martial arts brings it to another level where you have to be very aligned within yourself. You have to be so present um, to even do emotion, like, you know, it, with that kind of precision. Um, but also to respond to someone else's motion. So, and it's not something you can expect. So it's like this, um, I guess some people could call it reflex. I don't know if it's, it's like a super fast response and it's like a dance with the other. So it's like self and other is, is something I really like in the martial arts dance um, that you're actually like, you know, when somebody uses, uh, martial arts masters will talk about this a lot, is when you actually kind of carry the opponent's force and return it to them. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, the opponent, if they have like a lot of um, hard force coming at you, it's kind of like yang energy and then you need to redirect it. It's like the, the dance between the yin and the yang and, and then how 
how you play that energy. So I think it's very spiritual. And I think I've learned a lot of my most, um, you know, like spiritual epiphanies through martial arts. Oh, I've had so many epiphanies, but just an example is, um, you know, uh, doing, getting stuck in your own motion. So in Wing Chun, for example, um, if I want to do like, um, it's called Sasho, it, it looks like this. So you're, you're kind of cutting, it's like a slicing motion. Um, and I just, I want to create an opening where I can use this, but the opponent is not allowing me that opening, but I'm still, it's like, I'm still stuck in, I want to use this motion rather than um, actually listening to my opponent and the signal they're sending to me. It's kind of like, you know, listening to an opponent, it's, they're not really your opponent, right? Like in a way it's like they are, um, they can represent, you know, like source or they can represent the universe. Yeah. They can represent you. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. They can be a mirror. Yeah. Yeah, so in that way, like I learned so much through movement and nothing is said. And I think when nothing is said, when there's no words involved, like the mind can't get involved that much. The more you practice, it's so interesting because it's so obvious, like I can, you can just kind of feel like you, you um, uh, contact, you contact the other person. So let's say this is someone else. And the moment I contact someone, I, I really can know this person's personality. It's like very clear in an instant. Yeah. I know if they have a quick temper, if they're patient, um, I have a sense of what they're gonna do, how they will react if I do something. Yeah. Um, can I actually um, go 100% with this person or are they gonna get mad? Um, in that first moment of contact, it's not just me, just anyone who has practiced martial arts for a long time you can just sense it's like this heightened sense it's it, i guess you could some could say it's intuition, intuition. I, wanted um, to say I think that, it's yeah. like a sensing yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like a yeah it's like a sensing uh, physical intuition and um that's something you practice and heighten and i think and and combine it with your own like heart, heart, mind, right? And you have to still, you have to be in such a meditative state and you have to be yeah. so present when yeah. you're in the middle of a, of a fight. Just one last thing is I, you know, I'm in like a, a martial arts group with several of my Shixiong, which is like uh, Kung Fu brothers and sisters. And um, somebody posted, I don't know if this is a quote or if it was his own, um, his, his own like reflection, uh, he said, um, to fight is our, is a reflex. It's like, it's our um, survival instinct. Yeah. Uh, to fight is our in survival instinct. And to not fight is Kung Fu. And I thought that was so beautiful yeah. because I think ultimately what we're training, it's not about fighting someone. It's about like, um, knowing how to not fight yeah, and to, and to not fight within yourself and yeah. to not, you know, like your mind wants to do a certain movement, but your body like can't do it. And that's kind of like an internal, like you're right. Yeah. But when you're totally aligned, like there's no more struggle and there's no struggle with the other and yeah. you're just, yeah, it's just a dance. I would love to ask you, um, when referring to time, did you notice that you got an interest in spirituality? That's okay. So this is probably the most common question people ask me these days. And I continuously reflect. Um, and I've given this answer like many times, but I feel like I'm still thinking about it because I'm not really sure when it started and when it happened, but I, when I really think back, um, I would say I was very spiritual. I was a very spiritual child. And I, I can't remember if I've told you this story, but when I was very young, I could, 
I had certain abilities that I thought, you know, maybe everyone had and it were normal, um, but that wasn't the case. So just to be a bit more specific, when I was, before I was nine years old, and this went away of when I was around nine, um, I was able to see things that were going to happen in the future. And it wasn't like very big. It wasn't, you know, like, um, I don't know, like the stock market is going to crash. I, that's the first example I thought of. <laughs> I mean, obviously a child <laughs> wouldn't be thinking of that, but it wasn't like, um, you know, like anything very big. It was like household just stuff. It, I remember when it first happened, it was uh, like five minutes maybe in the future, five, 10 minutes, very soon, very recent. Yeah. Um, and it would be like the water, you know, my mom was gonna spill a glass of water um, or the phone was gonna ring. Uh, and then it, it would, and then later when I developed this ability a little bit, it would advance into, um, I could see different possibilities. It's almost like different timelines the possibility of different timelines based on a decision you make in the present. And it was, so it would be like, um, you know, the phone rings and, and if my mom picks it up, then, you know, the hot water is gonna flow out of the pot. Um, if she doesn't pick it up, then, um, I don't know, like the, the front door, someone's gonna knock on the front door or something. And, uh, and I would literally see these, usually it was two, I think not very many, like maybe three, three at most when I was little, um, possibilities of different timelines that could happen based on an action. And I would know exactly what was gonna happen. I would know the outcome and, um, and then it would happen exactly as I had seen it. So I guess uh, later, like a few years, I, I realized this wasn't normal and not everyone was seeing these things. And then it kind of got shut off. Um, I won't go into the whole story, but so I think when I was very young, I already had certain things open, like maybe certain channels open. And like I said, I was very, um, I really like to be in nature. So I used to, when I was really young, I used to talk to uh, trees, um, like I would imagine, you know, fairies in the woods. I would talk to them, I would play with them. And yeah, I was not a normal child. <laughs> and so I would be you like- You were the normal child. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, probably. Yeah, normal child will talk to fairies. Will, yeah. yeah. Right, yeah. So that's that was kind of my childhood. And I think my mom kind of observed me and she thought I was very imaginative. Um, but my mom, you know, she passed when I was quite young. And I feel like now when I look back, I don't think I knew this when I was young. But I really think my mom had these abilities too. I think she was quite psychic and she never really spoke about it. So I think she would watch me and like she would understand that I was, yeah. I had these, yeah. And she never really, we never talked about it or anything. But um, yeah, so I think this, it, that, it felt, nature felt very spiritual to me. I would say I grew up in a pretty, um, I grew up in an atheist family, so um, there was no real spirituality or religion uh, in my upbringing, and and later in life, I not really in my like school years. Um, and I think maybe my spirituality was rekindled the first time I went to Tibet, which was when I was eighteen, mm -hmm. and I think it wasn't like I think my spirituality was never. And uh, a pursuit of spirituality. I think it was more like I was um, the way I was, and I was my my soul brought me to these places, and I didn't know it at the time. I wasn't like on a spiritual journey. I wasn't 
trying to pursue anything. So I just, somehow I wanted to go to Tibet. And when I was there, I also wasn't like trying to learn Tibetan Buddhism or, you know, um, but I just remember being, you know, on like the roof of the world, they call it. And it's just, there's just this feeling. It's like, I feel so at home, like my soul feels at home. And I don't know what the feeling is, but I know I feel this. And uh, I remember going into the first Tibetan monastery um, that I visited. And there were all these Tibetan lamas, these monks dressed in the red, um, the red robes. And they were all chanting, you know, in like the throat chanting. And I don't remember what it was, but I just remember sitting, like sitting in the back and just listening. And I was just so moved. Like, I just, it just felt so at home. Like I felt so at home within the sound, um, within the place. And I think that's how it was for me kind of my whole life. Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't, and trying to be on a spiritual path or journey. And I didn't even, when I was in Tibet, I didn't even really study Tibetan Buddhism. I actually was more just traveling and exploring the land. Um, and that's how it happened for me to many places. I, I, when I went to Machu Picchu, for example, I wasn't on like a spiritual pilgrimage per se, but I did experience um you know, the, the, the amazing and intense energy um, of that place. And I think it was not until much later um, that I was aware that all of this was spiritual. I think for me, it was just my life. You know, I was just living the life that I loved. And I think that's one thing that I never, um, I never really lived someone else's definition of what a life should look like. I, I think that's something I really um, thank myself for, that I never gave up on my own, um, I guess you could say dreams. I don't know if they were really dreams, but it was more like I never let go of the life I wanted to live. And I, I would say like my whole life in until now I lived it the way I wanted to live it and then now I think that spirituality is more like a topic that a lot of people are talking about and it's more in the co collective consciousness and it's actually even I would say trendy these days See, nowadays it's trendy but uh for for many people it's just okay if it's like opening up going out of the closet <laughs> um <laughs> yes that's so true and yeah, yeah. I, I think that mm, go ahead no go ahead go ahead please no I think you're absolutely right I think in our hearts we're all spiritual and it's just like how much do we hide it <laughs> or how much do we know and and then yeah when somebody else says that you're like oh I can yeah it's more open to talk about these things yeah and, and so i think um for me that happened in 2000 started to talk about 2000 um, sorry these it broke the, 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 the 12 but okay okay yeah mm -hmm. um, which is also when people say there was a huge wake awakening in consciousness I and think i think for me that was when i yeah, I think that's when I started to be more conscious. So I intentionally would go to uh, sacred sites that my soul was calling me to go to. And I was intentionally doing the work to um, develop spiritually. I'm just wondering, uh, how do you balance the feeling of disconnection with the external world? So saying, oh, I, I, I see or I can feel this. Uh, but the external world is not that open to it in, in the old times, let's say. 
Um, because mm. I can imagine that some people now uh, will have the same or a similar situation. I just want to maybe for them to listen someone with that experience and maybe get inspired through it. Yeah. Mm. So I feel like my experience back then um, is not what I would encourage others to do, um, which is I just hid it inside i didn't okay. i was just um you know it yeah hiding it's it's kind of like you're like you said we're in the closet so i think it took a long time um for me to come out of hiding and this but i really love your question because it's actually something i coach um current students of mine through because they are also like they also are incredibly intuitive and they know these things inside but it, ha it they haven't lived in an environment where it's been um that acceptable to yeah. be this way or to talk about it so as i um guide them through this um, I find that one, th the thing that people are most afraid of actually is judgment yeah. and um, how other people will, especially, I think people aren't even so much afraid of what s people think in general, like um, strangers or like society, for example, it's really more like the people who knew the you, the past version of yourself. Yeah. It's like the people closest to you, like their judgment. Um, and in a way, it's like you are redefining yourself. So people are going to kind of, they're going to kind of look at you and be like, wait, but you used to be like, like, weren't you like this? So it's kind of, you know, it's a process of transformation, I would say. And, um, and I think that community is really important. So finding finding people who you can, you know, feel safe with um, speaking about your truth, like especially your spiritual truth. And there are so many places now, like um, either online, online spaces or physical communities um, around the world that people, I think that's why um, spiritual enthusiasts are drawn to these places i think it's really because of the community and yeah. you can finally it's like oh my gosh everyone is like me and like yeah. what a relief I came home. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly yeah. the feeling of and i think that home yeah totally and being accepted yeah and i think that's a really a valuable feeling to to feel and i i, I know that we talk a lot about like in in spiritual growth um you know self-acceptance and just uh loving yourself accepting yourself and etc but i think it's also really powerful to actually put yourself in a community environment yeah. where you have you feel like you actually experience that level yeah. of unconditional acceptance to, yeah. it's, it's very empowering and you you see um I think it's just this feeling that we're not alone because I think a lot of people feel that way, um, especially when they don't have people to um, just to be really excited and have conversations about this. I was very interested um, to ask you that because I think, yeah, I, I, I know you and I know that you are very intuitive, that um, super connected to, to source, to yourself. And I thought for many others that want to do it or have this, um, you know, skills and want to develop and they don't know how and, and they have to deal with the external world. Uh, what can we, you know, uh, inspire them? Um, so that's why I, 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 had, I asked this, this question. And, mm. and it, yeah, I Yeah, I think I want to say um, I would say actually I think the key is trust. 
to to really trust yourself like to trust that you have the connection to source because some people um you know they actually are so in incredibly intuitive so connected and they're um but you know the the kind of the thing is that their mind is saying is like oh but am i just imagining this you know like oh but you know that's just like that just went through my head like am i i don't how do i know this is real yeah. <laughs> and I'm like well there is um you will know like you will feel you will know what is actually true and trust it and trust it more than others you know if something goes is different from what you feel um go uh, question it yeah. question that uh, why would you put your put authority in someone else or something else um over you over yourself and so i feel like that is something you know trust is like so important um to cultivate trust for yourself yeah. and going back to martial arts i think the physical why the physical is so important in the spiritual is when we are um in in a physical put in a physical situation like martial arts for example you really have to trust your body and you have to trust like you can't there in a moment of hesitation um you could uh, be hit right i guess this is a martial arts example but um in in like a spiritual sense um it, a, a moment, like a doubt can actually cause more harm i think than when we realize it can put us off our true path um or maybe if we're really meant to go on that path we will but it can we can also choose to like the timelines i mentioned before that i was seeing from when i was young and now i actually see infinite possibilities of timelines so i i think i'm very connected to time um but we can actually choose which timeline we want to step onto and some are faster um and when we really trust ourselves then we can really go on that that highest timeline that we wish to, the life that we really wish to live and it's not even for ourselves because i think most of us who want to do this work are incredible not most i think all um we wish to see um the ascent the ascension of humanity and the planet and new earth and peace you know like peace on earth heaven on earth yeah and i feel like we're actually being in service to that vision yeah. when we don't hide our truth and when we trust yeah. it because so many other people can benefit from yeah. it oh that's that's so true <laughs> and that's really and and that actually brings um us to our my next question Which, when we were planning this podcast we wanted to talk about speaking your truth and one question that came mm. to my mind Um, about this topic uh, was how did you learn to express yourself authentically and overcome the fear that people might not easily accept you as the spiritual person that you are, especially when you were young or even nowadays? Um, do you have any tips for someone that wants to express her or his true self? Mm. This is this question is so important. Like I think yeah, I love this. And I love like talking to you because I think you are all about like the practicality of like <laughs> the spiritual work. <laughs> because sometimes it feels very conceptual. Yeah. And I think the practical like yeah, is so important. Yeah. We need to know how to apply this. Yeah. So, um yeah, so I mentioned to you when we were talking about that um topic that when i was young i was very quiet so i um in school you know i was like 
I don't know if there was like a vote for most quiet or something, but I would have been that. <laughs> I, you know, I, I remember one of my classmates in high school, this was in high school, um, towards the end, like it must've been senior year of high school. And I, I think I said something to him. I, maybe I bumped into him and I was like, um, I think a book of his dropped in or something. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry, I picked it up. He was like, he looked shocked and he was like, you can speak? I thought you were mute. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not mute. Um, but that's how quiet I was. So um, to actually go from that to being a sound healer, like now I sing and I work with sound and I channel through my voice. Um, yeah, I think this is not uh, some a question that many people have asked me before. So it's something I'm really reflecting on right now. Um, and I even now I think like, wow, that must have been a huge shift. How did I do yeah. it? And and um, I think I'm very grateful for the those quiet moments that I had. Um, kind of to myself in those days, because I think people who are quiet are very, very observant. Yeah. They, they like watch everything. They like observe the world around them. Yeah. And, um, you know, this can be, have its positives and negatives, right? Yeah. Um, on the positive side, like you, observation, you, you can see things. Yeah. So it's like, there's something about vision and, and clarity and foresight and insight. And then on kind of like the negative side, it's you see all the perceptions and the judgments. So it's like when you observe things, then you can also, it, there's kind of like a fear yeah. um, that when you speak or express yourself that, oh, th this person might judge you or whatever. Um, and you're hyper sensitive to it because you're so observant, right? Well, if I really think about it, I think it, um, I really started finding myself and um, being able to speak my truth more when I was outside the context of um, school, yeah. like at that time. And, and now that I think about it, maybe outside of a context that wants to define you or maybe the context doesn't want to define you, but you through the, that context, um, you maybe are, uh, there's like a question mark, like who, who am I within this yeah. um, group, yeah. maybe group of friends. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that sometimes when you are able to take yourself in a, put yourself in a position where there is no defining context, it actually helps you to find yourself um, this is probably why one of the many reasons why um, you know monks used to go into retreat, like go into a cave and meditate, right? And they're really uh, there's no external bouncing of any energy, and they they find they're very aligned. But moving into you know the new age, the age of Aquarius, um, that's no longer our spiritual. Um, what is it called? Like model. It's more like we're we're ascending through community, and so it's all about finding who we are within the context of our surroundings and and others. And I think that's even more important. And I actually think it's more challenging um, because when you can actually be totally aligned in your own truth in the midst of other people, and everyone's aligned in their own truth, like ultimately that's what we want. Right. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking back to your question about like, what, how, how can people embody this, yeah. embody yeah. their own truth and find their own voice? I think there is some reflection. There's like a process of reflection, um, involved where if we are always plugged in all the time, like either if it's to our phones or to um, movies or, um, or friends or family, like whatever it is, 
that you're plugging, whatever channel you're plugging into. I think it's really good to unplug and plug into yourself or plug directly to source and just sit and be with yourself to find who you really are. Because in order to express our truth, we need to know what our truth is first, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important for us to find like, what is our truth and what is our true state? You know, because a, there's a lot of stimulation that can put us into different states of being like um, ang anxious or, yeah. um, or excited yeah. or whatever it may be. And when we kind of unplug from the external st stimulation and simulation, <laughs> we can actually find like our own frequency. I talk about this um, with my students sometimes is finding our master frequency, um, which is kind of like when you are totally yourself, like what, what are you, what state of being like, what do you vibrate at? And um, for everyone, it, it may be something really, uh, something a bit different because everyone is unique. Every soul is unique. And for me, it's freedom. So my master frequency is freedom. And when I'm totally myself and when I feel totally um, aligned, um, my, my frequency that I exude is freedom. It's like pure freedom. And um, somebody else might be um, peace or um, uh, fulfillment. Some, some place to start is to find what is my truth and what am I here to, what am I here to say? And we don't really have to say anything, but if I choose, like if I'm here and I've got all this wisdom and truth inside of me, what do I wish to express to the world? Yeah. What would make me really, what would be so joyful to express? Um, what do I just want to express? And maybe there's no, maybe there doesn't have to be a purpose, yeah. but you know, just it, it comes from like the heart, like the soul. Yeah. And, um, and that's kind of like your truth that you're here to express. Um, yeah. So I think it does, uh, require some being, being very present with yourself um, really knowing yourself, coming back to like, just without, without influence. Like if you're not modeling anything or, um, or seeing something and chasing it or like, or responding to anything, um, and you just unplug all of those channels and just really go either within or just totally go up to source you can ask god or um creator source like yeah what is my truth and it's usually well i won't say anything but you know that i guess that's what meditation is about too yeah